Welcome, everyone. You may be seated. Uh, special welcome to you if today is your first time uh, here at Mosaic. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, um, and it's really awesome to worship with you all and to meet some of you for the very first time. Um, as you can tell, we're getting near to Christmas season, and we're starting to ramp up. Uh, with that. But today, um, if you're here for the first time, I guess you don't know, but for the fall season, we've been going through a series called Salt and Light. And the purpose of our sermon series has been um, how we are to be different in this world, to make a difference in this world. Um, Jesus calls us salt and light of the world. And this fall, we've been kind of meditating on what that means for us to be salt and light in the world. And what we found out is that in all aspects of our life, Jesus has called us to be different, and that difference will make a difference. And today is actually going to be the last sermon um, in that series, and we're going to close out by talking about money talking about money, how we do money differently. And to talk about that, we're going to go into 1 Timothy 6. And so if you have your Bibles, you could open up to 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. I'm going to read to 10 and then pick up back at 17. And so this is the word of the Lord, Paul, writing to Timothy. Um, and here it is. This is the word of the Lord. Please give your attention to it. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith, and have pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And verse 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, they are to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. Um, money. This is the last one we've looked at. We've looked at salt and light, how we're salt and light in culture, in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our uh, singleness, our dating, marriage, and even our parenting. We looked at last time how we're called to be different, but today we're going to look at how we're called to be different in terms of money, money. And before I begin, um, I just want to share with you that I feel like there's tremendous spiritual opposition when it comes to money, maybe, maybe even more than all the others put together. Um, because honestly, for a lot of us, money is that last temple of idolatry that's deep in the jungle of our hearts that we're really afraid to talk to God about. Because some of you have money scars from growing up. And this is really scary for you that God might speak to you about money. And so I feel a lot of, I don't know, spiritual opposition coming to this topic, but I also want to say as imposing as this is, if this is a temple, a fortress of idolatry that's been in your heart for a long time, I also want to proclaim to you that through the gospel, today's your day of release. Today's your day of freedom. 
Today is the day when you can break free from the chains of serving money. And today's the day you can actually be free. And that's really what I desire today. The hearts of our congregation being released today from a bondage that some of us have been living in a really long time, keeping you scared and anxious. But I pray and I proclaim today a day of freedom to all of us. Let's pray before we start. Can I just ask you guys just to spend some time in prayer? If you already feel some spiritual opposition here because you know that this has been such a big God in your life, let me just give you a minute to go talk to your father about it. Father, I proclaim today a day of release, a day of freedom for captives who have been under the slavery of money for a really long time. I pray that today would be a time of singing, today would be a time of release, and that today that the gospel will set some people free in our congregation. Show us, Lord, how we are to do money differently in this world. Help us to make a difference as salt and light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, money. Um, how do we understand our distinct approach to money um, as salt and light in this world? We've been looking at how we are called salt and light, which means that we do everything kind of differently um, in this world. What about money? And I want to begin by letting you know that every passage that's in the Bible um, in regards to money in some way builds on top of this idea that we do money differently as Christians because we believe in an eternity. And our belief in eternity changes the way that we do money in this world, and that way we do money in this world in turn changes the world. Um, I want to tell you about this by telling you about a story that Jesus told to his own disciples in Luke 16 about a story called the story or parable of the shrewd manager. In some of the passages, it's called the shrewd manager. In other translations, it's called the dishonest manager. And the truth is, he's both. Uh, the story is that there is a man who is a manager over uh, a very, very rich man's business and his money. And he gets news that he has been caught doing something dishonest with the money. Luke 16, let me read to you verses 1 and 2. It says this, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you could no longer be manager. This manager did something very dishonest. We don't know exactly what he did, but he did something very dishonest, enough to get him fired. And he's got a little bit of time left. You see, he just got fired, and he's got some time before he needs to clean out his desk and actually leave the position. I don't know whether he has 20 minutes or an hour or a couple of hours, but he has a really, really short period of time before he's thrown out on the street and he loses his job. And this is what happens. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. He starts to consider his options. What's he going to do? He's going to have no job. He's going to be out on the street. And it says here that he came to his senses and he realized what he's going to do. He had an eureka moment. And this is what 
he does. Now, what he does here in this moment, this critical moment, is what Jesus wants us to learn from. He doesn't want us to learn from his impropriety and his dishonesty. That's not what we're trying to take from. But Jesus says, but look at what he does as soon as he finds out he's going to be fired. This, my sons and daughters, this I want you to learn from. This is what he does. Verse 4, I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. And he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill, write 80. Do it quickly. I don't have a lot of time. Now imagine being on the other side of that. You're probably wondering why you're doing this. There's no such thing as a free lunch in the business world, right? Everything's been measured. Everything's been weighted. So why are you cutting my loan in half? Why are you forgiving my debt? What is the catch? And I imagine the manager saying, there's no catch. This is a real forgiveness of half of your loan. But, look, I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to be out on the street very soon. And when you see me, remember me. Okay, when you see me, remember this face and remember what I did for you. That's all I ask. My brothers and sisters, remember that I said remember. And Jesus looks at this situation, this scenario, and he says, don't look at his dishonesty, but I want you to look at his shrewdness. I want you to look at his prudence because what this manager did was he understood that he only had stewardship of the master's funds for a short period of time. I don't know if it was 20 minutes, an hour or two, but he says he only has a short period of time to leverage his influence at that time to prepare him for the age that was to come. For the time that he was going to be out on the streets, he had to leverage that, those funds that he had in that short period of time to set him up for when he was in deep need. He had temporary stewardship. And what he did in that short period of time was critical to setting up his next stage in life. And this is what he says. In verse 9, Jesus lands on this lesson for us. I tell you, he's talking to his own people, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, and I promise you it will fail, when your wealth fails you, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. In this passage, he says, sometimes, you know, the sons of this world are wiser than us because what they see, sometimes we don't see. And so what is it that Jesus wants us to see in this passage? He wants us to understand how we are to look at wealth and how we are to look at money and how we should understand our stewardship now in this life to prepare for the eternity to come. And I know it's really, really hard to contemplate eternity. And so I got this rope for you. Okay, look at this. This is a long rope. This is the longest rope I could find. Um, Before I begin, I completely stole this illustration from Francis Chan. This is not mine. I'm not this creative. But this is the longest rope I could find. Now, imagine that this rope is actually, I hope I don't hit anybody on the head. Sorry, Ed, if I hit you on the head. I don't need to. (laughs) Imagine this rope is your life. 
There's a timeline of your life. And because you are an eternal being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, this rope doesn't end at that pole, but this rope goes into the hallway, into the atrium, out into the parking lot, and through the streets, and it goes on and on until you cannot see it anymore. That's what this rope is. This is your life, brothers and sisters. This is your eternity, brothers and sisters. That is who you are. Isn't that amazing? This is what Jesus did for you. He, your life is not going to end when you breathe your last breath. It will continue into eternity. But this is sometimes what we do with money. You see this little blue piece here? If this is our eternity, this is the time we have here on earth. And even the best money managers in this life, Christians, sometimes all we think about is how our money is going to impact this period of time. And so even the best of us often think, I'm going to be very frugal at this part of the blue so that maybe I can retire here and have a life of comfort. Maybe I'll be able to travel. Maybe I'll be able to have a a bit more here. So I'm going to be really careful here. I'm going to work really hard here so that I can have a little bit more here. And some of you are not even that uh, farsighted. Some of you are just thinking about things that you can buy next week. But here's your life here on earth. And even proportionate, you know, if, if, if it was actually proportional, you, you probably couldn't see it, but we made it a little bit bigger so you could see what this life is like. But it's very short. And Jesus is saying, the shrewd manager knew that the rope was long, But sometimes my children don't even know that the rope is long. And we're completely consumed in how our funds are going to be used in in this short period that we have here on earth. Sometimes you meet someone who is incredibly kingdom-minded and generous, and you see how generous and loving they are and how open-handed they are, and and sometimes we get worried for them, right? say, oh my gosh, you're giving away a lot and you're doing a lot here, do you know that when you get to here, you're going to need that? But what do they say to me? What do they say to us? Are you crazy? Look at this. What are you going to do with this? For all of eternity, you're going to live. Jesus says, Use your funds here. Use what I've given to you here to prepare for eternity, to make an impact for your eternity. My brothers and sisters, all the passages in the Bible that have to do with money are built on this idea that we're not going to only exist for this period of time, but because of the blood of Jesus, we have an eternity coming our way. Have you thought about your eternity? You know, there are a few things that haunt me as a pastor, and I think that I'm a little bit dramatic, but I I do think about, you know, as your pastor, um, what I need to be doing. And here's one of the the things that, that scare me. I think I heard another pastor say this, and it got ingrained in my mind. Imagine we die in maybe 10,000 years, that's about 10,000 years, right? Maybe that's about 10,000 years, maybe it's about 20,000 years. Maybe in 20,000 years, you come up to me, and you see me in eternity, and you say, hey, Dave, long time no see. 
20,000 years it's been. I haven't seen you. Say, hey, it's good seeing you. 20,000 years, Dave, I've been meaning to ask you a question. And the question that I've been meaning to ask you is this. You know, when we were on earth, why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you tell me that the way that I used my money in that short period on earth would have an impact on the eternity that I have here now? I died when I was 83. I died when I was 94. And that whole time, those 94 years on earth, I never thought about how my funds, how my money was going to affect my eternity. It's been 20,000 years, and you were my pastor. You were supposed to help me. You were supposed to tell me. You were supposed to tell me that eternity was coming, and you never told me. But instead, I used my wealth only for that blue part of my life. Why didn't you tell me? And wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night. Um, because the reality is, it is my job to tell you. Brothers and sisters, listen to me now. Your wealth on this earth is fleeting. It's going to go away very quickly. But what you do in this world, in this time, will have an effect on your treasures in heaven. Do not corner me in 20,000 years and tell me I never told you. I told you. Remember the rope. Brothers and sisters, we, as salt and light in this world, have to think about our wealth very differently than the rest of this world. Jesus says to use our wealth now for the sake of eternity. Randy Alcorn writes a lot about heaven and he says this. Randy Alcorn, he said, Jesus warns us not just because wealth might be lost, but because wealth will always be lost. It will, it will, you'll lose it either when you live or you will leave it here when you die, no exceptions. He says, your wealth is always gonna be lost. What do we read in today's scripture? We entered into the world naked and we will leave naked. We're gonna leave everything here. I think I heard someone say that he knew somebody who made suits for people who died and they didn't have suits to wear in the coffin. And so there was a mortician who sewed suits for people who died. And he said, you know what they never made in those suits? Pockets. Because dead people don't take anything with them. You know, we will leave everything here. We have a short time with the stewardship that we have been given temporarily with what we have been given. Some of us much, some of us Little, how do you think about your wealth as somebody who's preparing for eternity? Remember the shrewd manager. Secondly, not only do we need to think about it eternally, when we begin to think about our wealth eternally, it changes us. And one of the things that it does is it releases us from serving money. Let's read 1 Timothy 6.9 again. Here's the warning. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is it's a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You know, the world likes to separate people, all of humanity, into haves and have-nots. The Bible doesn't really do that. 
because look at the blue, it's so small. What the, what the Bible does is not separate us into haves and have-nots, but it separates us into those who are content materially and crave God and the people who crave money. He says that desire, that craving for, for money, that's the other side. And then on one side you have people who are content with what they have and are craving God. That's the separation eternally, and it makes total sense when you look at the white, look at the rope. It's not about have and have not. It's about where are your treasures. It's not about how much you have. You can have $100 in your bank account and crave money. You can crave the next $100, or you could have $100 million, and all you do is crave another $100 million. And it will never be enough. That craving is what he warns us against. He says, through this craving, people have stabbed themselves. Isn't that such a violent picture? He says, the people who crave money in this world and thinking whether you want another hundred or a hundred million, whatever it is, your amount, people like that, they end up getting hurt. That's Paul's message. Timothy, tell them that if they live like that, they're going to get hurt. And the image here is that someone who craved money their entire life stab themselves and they're bleeding on the ground and next to them is money, let's pretend. And you go up to them and you say, oh my gosh, what happened? Did you stab this person? That's why we say you're evil, money. That's why we say that money is so evil and tempting and money will say to you what? I didn't do it. I, 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 I didn't do it. He stabbed himself. I'm just money. I'm not supposed to be obsessed over. I'm not supposed to be worshipped. I'm not supposed to be treasured like that. I'm just money. He was supposed to use me, but he worshipped me. And he went crazy and he stabbed himself. That's the picture here. Those who crave money will pierce themselves with many pangs. Brothers and sisters, there's so many different ways that this happens to us. We crave money. uh, Husbands, brothers, fathers in this room, we struggle with this, don't we? Some of us. And we lie to ourselves by saying, well, I need to provide for my family. It's for my wife and children. And it may have started out that way, but many of us have gone way beyond. We've gone way beyond And it's not even about providing for family anymore. Now you're obsessed. Thinking about money, investments all the time. You can't stop checking your Robinhood account. Your mind is just like never there. And then you sit down with dinner, dinner with your family, and you have nothing in common because you're living in a different world. You're living in a world obsessed with money and making more. It doesn't matter if it's $100 or $100 million. And this great chasm has been created between you and your family because you are now obsessing over money and you've told yourself that it's for your family and you have nothing to do with your family. Those who crave money will be pierced by many pangs. Sisters, mothers in this room, you will never hoard enough money to protect your children and your husband and your loved ones. You will never hoard enough to find security. You will never build a statue of money big enough to make you feel safe. It's the heart. It's a sickness, you see, that we have in our hearts. 
And some of us, we have scars, and that's why we do it. You know, some of us have scars from when we were younger. We had maybe immigrant parents who came here with nothing and were terrible with money. And you grew up and you saw the arguments about money just boiling up in your home and creating this chasm between mom and dad and making your life so anxious, making you so afraid. Every time money was brought up in your home, it always freaked you out. And so you said, when I grow up, when I'm an adult, I will never struggle with money. And you burned incense at the altar of mammon and you're still living in that narrative today. And that's why you can't unleash yourself for money. It's those money scars that you grew up with that you're still licking your wounds. My brothers and sisters, today is the day of your release. Today is the day of your freedom to be unchained from those things. Because Jesus Christ today has the power and the grace to release you from your money scars that keep you trapped in the blue part. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, warn them, warn them about this. Warn them not to worship money. Warn them not to serve money. And when we are able to look at this, we are able to see why we can be free You see, our perspective has to change. Don't forget the rope, brothers and sisters. It keeps us from serving money because we understand that eternity is in front of us. But not only does it do that, when we look at money in light of eternity, not only are we freed from serving it, we're actually able to use it to serve God and love people. That's what money is for, serving God and loving people. That's what God has called us to do. You see, money is actually a really awesome servant, but a really terrible master. You know, money, it's not evil in and of itself. You don't need to be afraid of money, but you do need to make sure it's in its rightful place. It's like a knife. A knife used correctly can be an incredible tool to feed your family. But if you use it wrongly, you're gonna get hurt. That's what Paul is saying. If you look at money wrongly, if you let it be more than it is, you're going to get hurt because look at this. Look, you're going you're to get hurt. You have to keep money in its rightful place. And the rightful place that money should be in is to serve God and to love people in our lives. That's what it's for. Read verse 11 with me. This is what Paul says. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, right? Some of you have known that Bible verse your whole life and you never knew that it was in the context of money. He says some people have pierced themselves chasing and craving money, but you, man of God, you, woman of God, look at this, you know this. You, be free from it. Flee from it because you know about eternity, don't you? Flee these things and invest in things that are eternal and here they are. But as for you, man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. He's called us to use our temporary stewardship of your $10, $100, $100 million to care for people, 
1 Timothy 18, 6, 18 says this, they are to do good. This is how you invest in eternity. You are to do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share, storing up treasures for yourselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. We are to invest in people and to flee the love of money and to invest it for the sake of the kingdom. Today's practical application, you have to have money discussions with your spouse, with whoever you do money with. You have to have a discussion. Does our budget reflect this rope? Is there something about eternity inside of our budget? Or does our budget look like this? You know, the way that I think about money, the way that our family thinks about money, does it look like this? Or did you hear the word of God today? And is there something about eternity that is in your budget? My brothers and sisters, you need to have an honest conversation today. And if you do, you will able to, you'll be able to make a tremendous blessing in the kingdom. There's a lot of generosity stories that I could tell you that would blow your mind, but can I just tell you a very small and humble one from my own life? When I decided to go to seminary, um, I was pretty, pretty much broke. <laughs> and the reason I was broke was this. I actually was working for a little bit, and um, I was a pretty good saver. I saved up in my 401k at my company, and um, I saved up as much as I could. You know, I didn't live lavishly. I was very, pretty good. And I tried to save as much as I could in my 401k. And I would check my 401k balance, like, pretty often. I know people who have never even seen their 401k balance, but I used to look at my retirement account. But when I decided to go to seminary, um, my family went through a lot of financial hardship. And my parents um, had to declare bankruptcy, and they owed some taxes to the government. And the only way that I could really help them was to empty out my retirement. It's painful. 40% penalty you have to pay when you dump out your 401k. Um, But I did it and I gave it to them. And I started seminary uh, basically with nothing. Um, I had very, very little to my name. In fact, I had so little in my name that my first check that I wrote for tuition, not for a semester's worth of classes, but one class, summer Hebrew, uh, that check bounced. (laughs) Because I didn't have enough money in my account to pay for one class. But the blessing of my life is that in that time, I had a church that loved me. I had an older couple who let me stay at their place on the weekends so that I could do ministry um, in New Jersey. I had people who supported me, bought me books. I had um, brothers and sisters give me gracious envelopes of money and said, here, it's not a lot, but I want to make sure that you have what you need for this week. My old pastor bought me my first set of books Two volumes, Calvin's Institutes. That's all I had. That's all I could afford at that time. I read Calvin's Institutes from cover to cover, which is not something you normally do 
but it's all I had. And they were precious to me. Those books are expensive. And, and from that day, I counted it a privilege to learn from theology. And in that season, I had brothers and sisters who generously gave into my life so that I could do ministry, do things that they deemed were eternal, worthy of the rest of this rope. And my brothers and sisters, if it weren't for those people who invested in my life today, I wouldn't be your pastor today. I believe that you are the beneficiaries of a few people who really loved and had an eternal mindset. And I've seen God through, do things through ministry, not just have me preach every week, but preach the gospel to people who don't know to baptize new believers. You know, not to call him out, but Nick, who's gonna be praying today at the end of our service, I saw him come to faith. I was able to share the gospel with him. There were others in our congregation that I saw them come to faith. And those brothers and sisters who were at my old church, one day I will introduce them to the people that they have impacted with their money. Maybe it's 20,000 years from now, 50,000 years from now, but I imagine a day when I run into one of them and say, Joe, this is John. Remember you let me stay at your place when I was in seminary? Remember you bought me my books? Remember you invested in the kingdom? John got saved through this. And I can imagine John embracing Joe and saying, thank you very, very much. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Jesus says, use your unrighteous wealth to make friends in eternity. An eternal use of earthly goods. That's what makes us salt and light in this world, different in this world. But the, the thing that we need to close with is you'll never do this unless you're free. You know, a lot of you are not able to do this because you still have money scars from when you were young. And you still have scars, those fights, the anxiety that you feel, the reason you hold your money so closely. A lot of us need healing in order to do this. The reason you serve money as a slave is because you're scared. The reason you serve money as a slave is because you're anxious and you're afraid of what happened in your life. And today, my brothers and sisters, I believe today is the day of your release. Today, today is the day of your freedom from serving money. And I want to show you that by taking you to the Lord's Supper. You see, the only way we will actually be free enough to invest in eternity is when we see the generosity and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. The most famous Bible verse is John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He so loved the world that he gave. He gave to you his most precious son. And what you see is Jesus Christ on the cross in the gospel giving you that which is most precious so that you could be set up for eternity. You see, you have scars because you're scared. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you have Christ, it tells you you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. 
And I know that that sounds too simple, but some of you have been waiting to hear that all your life. And you've been waiting to hear that, and that's why you've been clinging to money. Um, But the gospel of Jesus Christ tells you, you're going to be okay. He's got you. Because of what he's given to you, you have what you need for eternity. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke that bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. I will step from invincibility into insecurity. How many of you guys have actually experienced being really financially insecure? Scary, right? He stepped into financial insecurity from having everything to having nothing, not even a bed to sleep in. And he broke his body and gave it to you. He stepped into insecurity for your sake so that you would be okay. And then at the end of the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is the most precious commodity I have. It's not oil, it's not cryptocurrency. It's the most precious commodity I have. It's my blood. Um, Only this can save people for eternity. Only this can set up people for all time. And I'll pour it out for you. I'll give you all of it. I won't hold anything back. But I will give you the most precious commodity in the universe out of sheer grace. That means what? For free. So that you're going to be okay. My brothers and sisters, until um, you really realize that, you won't be free. You won't be free. But once you realize what Jesus Christ has given to you in the gospel, you'll let it sink in. Something so crazy simple, but so important for our hearts to hear, it's going to be okay. He set up your life. And in that, brothers and sisters, you have the gospel, which frees you from serving money and the ability to invest in this. We're all going here. We'll all see each other. And the gospel of Jesus Christ will give you enough to invest in eternity. Let's pray. Before we take communion, I just want to give you a moment to pray and to go to Jesus. I feel like this is a conversation that many of you have not had because you're scared. Um, You're scared of what he might do to your money. You're scared of what he might do to you. And so you've hidden this idol deep in the jungle, somewhere in your mind and heart, because you didn't want God to come near it because you were scared. I pray today that the gospel would sink into your heart and that it would be true to you in a real way you're going to be okay because he set you up for eternity go have your money conversation with God I know it's been a long time coming don't be scared 
He loves you. He's been tremendously gracious to you, generous to you. Why be scared to have this conversation with him? He loves you. He's thought about your life way beyond you have. Let's go and talk to our Father about our money. Let's confess and let's pray. He gave you exactly what you needed and he gave you more. Brothers and sisters, if you today here are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've received all that you need from the gospel, I invite you into this meal. But if you're not, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you more about him. I'd love to tell you a little bit more about the gospel and how tremendous it is and how it saved my life and how it's going to change yours. But if you're not a believer yet, um, wait. Let's talk before you take this meal. Secondly, if today, my brothers and sisters, if you have no desire to repent and to go to the Savior about your sins and your money in particular, if you're still guarding it away from Jesus, I'm not sure if this meal is for you. If you have an open heart to go talk to Him and to let Christ into your heart, into your money, today this meal is for you. If you're struggling with this, but you want to, this meal is for you. That's why he gave it to you, for the strengthening of your faith. And that's why, my brothers and sisters, let's take off our masks and let's all partake in the meal that Jesus has given to us, his body and blood, as one family. Let's all rise. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, this has been hard. It's been hard. Money is hard. It's, it's really just, it's really hard because it's so deeply ingrained in us. We're just so scared and uh, we're really anxious and we're greedy and we're selfish and we want to be in control and we want our own power. But Father, we pray that today you would give us freedom. pray that today would be a day of freedom and release for the captives. I pray, O oh God, that we would come out from the slavery of money into the freedom of serving our Lord Jesus, the only one who could prepare us for eternity, the only one who has given us everything that we need for it. I pray really that today it would sink into some of our hearts that they're going to be okay because the gospel has set them up. I pray, O oh God, for a release And I pray that that release would make us loving in this world. And that love would be like salt, would be like light. 
who will change the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's respond with the song.